You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Well, we got to jump into our biblical worldview question of the week then. Now, the question is, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? So let's just talk about that first part of the question, the who versus the what. So who is the Holy Spirit, Nancy? Yeah, and I think the Holy Spirit's kind of left behind in a lot of people's lives. You know, they're big on the Father and big on Jesus, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he's kind of pushed aside a little bit. And uh, But again, <clears throat> just so important to be grounded in the fundamentals, because if we've got those straight, um, we're not going to be misled by so many out there with, with bad theology that causes us to stumble. But, you know, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make up the being of God. And that, you cannot have God without, the, the Father without the Son and Holy Spirit. You cannot say, uh, from a biblical perspective, I believe in God but not believe in the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing, and this is why, you know, we don't hear much about the teaching. It's hard to really get good teaching on this because, you know, it, it's something that's very, very difficult for us to understand from our finite mind. But Scripture is very clear. All three persons <clears throat> of the Trinity, the triunity of God, make up the being of God. So it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, they have different, so to speak, jobs that they do. Uh, you know, the Father is kind of the administrator and the Son, uh, the Savior and the Holy Spirit. Amazing, amazing. Uh, lives in all who, be- who believe. And, and the thing about the triunity of God, they have always been together, will continue to work in perfect harmony forever together in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, we, again, because they're eternal, because they have always been together, the very presence of the Holy Spirit was with the Father and the Son during the creation of the world. In the beginning, God refers to God as Elohim, which is, you know, you know God singular, but definition plural, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1, let me read that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So that is what we're talking about here. And, you know, you all were talking about Tim Keller, and uh, I've read just about everything with him, and because he's such a scholar, he, he had so many good insights in, into so many things, and even uh, visited his church in New York City one day, but, uh, and heard him preach. Uh, uh, amazing man, but he left you know, some ideas, some things, a list of things we should do. When he died, he knew that if he wrote them down, people would keep those in the forefront of his mind. The Holy Spirit, when Jesus died, the whole, he left for us, uh, yes, 
written through through the people that he, the disciples that he worked with with through Paul. He the Holy Spirit wrote the 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 suggestions the the laws that Jesus wanted us to know the important things. It was through the Holy Spirit, but it's also the Holy Spirit, God Himself, very much alive, who lives in us. So it's not just a list. It's not just the Bible that we're talking about. But it is this beautiful symphony of the Holy Spirit living in us, uh, who directed the writing of the of the scriptures, so that we might have an active, amazing relationship with God. Um, one of the things God did with the gift of the Holy Spirit is, I, th- I think, very interesting because it is the mark of a Christian. Uh, God says in Romans 8, 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So I think what God is saying here through the scriptures, through Paul's writing is, listen, I have given you the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit wants to direct you. That's why God continues to tell us, get into the scriptures, pray. So the Holy Spirit becomes active in our life. We begin to hear uh, through our spirit what he is trying to tell us. Uh, it is an amazing gift, uh, the greatest gift we'll ever get, uh, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit alive in us. Whether you feel it or not, he's there if you're a believer. So what does the Holy Spirit then do within us, Nancy? What, what is he doing? Yeah, one thing he does is to seal us to the Father and the Son. And seal meaning, once you're sealed, you can't unseal. It is just, if you've ever gotten something that's sealed, I keep thinking of opening up packages with plastic on them, it's impossible. But but this whole idea of God sealing us, we cannot unseal. We are adopted. He says, you are adopted as my child. You can't be unadopted here. And it's through this act of God that we have confidence, confidence that we are his child forever. And we will be uh, recipients of the inheritance that comes from him. This idea that God, when we believe, seals us from the whole, with the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely amazing because if we know the scripture on our worst day, we will have the confidence to know, you know what? I'm not alone in this thing. Jesus is with me. And he says in Ephesians 1, 13, 14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possessions of it uh, to the praise of his glory. So here's this beautiful picture. And God says, listen, I love you, yes, but I'm also, I, I'm also with you, in you, and I'm going to be active in you for eternity's sake. So this isn't just an experience we have, you know, when we're living on earth. We will be in the presence of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. It's amazing, really. It is amazing. And Jesus had sent the Spirit. He says, you know, my Father will send the Spirit, and that is partly because of the work of sanctification in our lives, yeah. right? That yeah. is the to be conformed to the image of Christ. So what does that look yeah. like in our lives then? Well, um, 
Yeah, so when we believe in Jesus, God works through the Holy Spirit to grow and mature us in our faith. And also, in all ways, it, it, we should be maturing so that we can become more like Jesus. And, you know, we don't have to be reminded too many times to understand that we were born with a sinful nature. This desire to live out our lives into whatever pleases us. And, you know, this idea of choice that God gives us. Yes, we have a choice. We can acknowledge him in our lives or we can ignore him and try to. Uh, that doesn't last very long and it's not a good way to go. But, but God has a call on our lives. And when we are not with him, when we are not walking with him, listening to him, you know what? Our sin nature, that filthy part of us, will take over. And the consequences of ignoring Jesus and doing our own things, that worldview will lead us to eternal separation from God in a place called hell. So we can choose as as human beings who are loved by God not to believe in his son. And we need to understand that that choice is ours. But when we don't and we reject that, uh, the scripture calls this place a hell. And I just want to read this to you because we need to, to just get serious about this. It's, it's not, it's not uh, you know, choosing to have a coney dog or not. This, this is huge. This determines your eternity. And, now, and it says here, now the works of the flesh are evident. Here it is. Uh, this is our sinful nature, full-blown, sexual immora- immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, uh, and things like these. You know, the list could go on and on. I warn you, as I had warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's uh, Galatians 5. So, We see that to redeem us, Christ died and sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. That is redeeming us. That's making us right with Mm -hmm. God. And I'm telling you, this is serious, serious stuff. You cannot play both sides of the fence. You're either with me or against me. And and it's a huge wake-up call. Uh, I don't think God is into complacent Christians much yeah. after reading this. So that was Galatians five nineteen through 21, the works mm-hmm. of the flesh. Now let's flip the coin, Nancy, and, and talk about what it means to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit who resides in us once we are saved. Yeah, and this, don't you love this about God? He points out the filthiness of our nature, but boom, right away, he says, in Galatians 5, 22, 23. So, boom, right on top of that, he, he says this. The fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and let me just explain this, is the direct contrast with the fruit of our sinful nature. There are whole opposites. But the results of the fruit and Spirit, uh, of the Holy Spirit, uh, working in and through the believer will be observed by their behavior. So, this is this fruit. Uh, the fruit of what we do, uh, what people see, uh, where our focus is, what our intentions are. Those, those when they're filled with Jesus, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. The fruit of the Spirit mirrors the nature of God. 
the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the fruit of the Spirit will conform us to the image of Christ, making us more like him. And let me just say, we're getting into this. It doesn't mean I'm going to choose to love a few people or I'm going to be joyful when I'm having a good day. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. And and in Galatians 5, uh, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This whole idea, when we, when we allow the Spirit of God to take over our lives, this will be the fruit. We don't have to fake it, is what I'm saying. This will become part of us. And <clears throat> the beautiful part of this, John 15, 4 through 6, remain in me <clears throat> as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit in lots unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me, I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Ouch. So, uh, this is the, just such a beautiful picture. I and you, you and me. This is the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. I don't get it, but boy, he sure does. He loves every single one of us. This is the picture. I and you, you and me. Well, then that, you will bear fruit. It's that amazing. communication is joint though, right? I mean, that's it, it requires that we cooperate. So how does the Holy Spirit communicate with us, Nancy? Because that's one of the things that we have to be very discerning about, because this is also an area where the enemy can also stick his hands in, and and we think that it's Spirit-led. So how does the Spirit communicate with us? Yeah, and I think it's the same thing we talk about every week. And how do we how 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 do we recognize the spirit? How do we yield to the spirit? How do we even begin to to understand the fruit of the spirit? We listen to the Holy Spirit when we're praying and we're reading scripture. There's no shortcut to God. I'm just saying. It's just right there. You can choose when you wake up at night, obviously God wakes us up to pray for somebody, maybe ourselves, maybe I don't know what. But when I wake up, I figure it's God's way of of wanting me to pray for somebody or something or whatever that is, but to pray, just to have a heart that wants to pray. And we want to pray when we're in the scriptures. And you can say, well, I go on Sunday. That's not what God is talking about here. He's talking about having a Bible close by, reading it during the day. Just, it doesn't have to be full-blown hour. It's just a few minutes. For me, it's coffee in the morning and, and reading and just praying through the day. I'm telling you, then during the day, I can feel his presence. I, I know that when I'm saying stuff to somebody, I know that's not coming from me, but, but from God. This is the idea. And, and the whole thing is when we're, re- when, when we're reading the scriptures, God will convict us of our sins. There's no question about it. And when we're convicted, the Holy Spirit reminds us and gives us the power over our flesh to ask for forgiveness by confessing our sins to Jesus. 
It's just right there. And when we accept forgiveness uh, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will bring us to repentance. We then will understand what we've done. If we have to go to somebody and apologize, we do. But the point is, hopefully, it's through this, this confession God points out in our lives, our selfishness or our pride or our hurtfulness. We confess that before God because that is a sin against God. And hopefully through this process of confession, our lives will change And when we yield and yield and yield to God. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It's the gifts of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. We cannot live our lives out without yielding to God. Not in, we can live, we can fake it for a while, but you know, the fruit of our lives doesn't come from rote memory. It comes from listening to the Holy Spirit and loving each person. Uh, each other, treating one another with honor. We see here First uh, John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we claim to, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So there again, you know, humble ourselves. Just, you know, I have to do this every day. Mm -hmm. I should do it a lot. But just the thoughts that are unhealthy for us, those things we say, we can't suck back in. We go to the Father and, you know, ask forgiveness and and hopefully we'll get a new pattern in our lives, a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking. But God makes it not easy, but so he's so available, if that makes sense. And we just need to take advantage of that because if we don't, we just stumble over ourselves. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, we do. Hey, Nancy, we have two minutes left as we uh, wrap this up and, and head toward our break with Randy. But um, as we close, share with us quickly, what does it even mean that God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, listen, God's gift of the Holy Spirit to all who believe It's a gift that gives us comfort and confirmation that our loving God wants to be with us and involved in our lives. He has chosen to indwell all believers, to live in us, and he wants us to consult him with our decisions, with our conversations that we have with others. Listen, God loves us in a way no man can, no woman can love. He wants us to honor his position as God. But listen to this. He also wants us to be his friend. And this is just so ridiculously wonderful. Get to know your friends. You don't get to know your friends by hiding in a closet. It's it's going out and, and talking to people. Talk to God during the day. Spend time with God. Uh, ask him what, what his agenda is for this day instead of pouring out what you need. You know, this this is the way. And I think John 17 is a great way to end. Father, when he's praying to the, to the Lord, Father, I want uh, those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, 
I know you, and they know you, that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. God is saying here, I love them enough that that I want to be that with them 24-7. And when we're in heaven, of course, that's eternity. No more 24-7. It's just forever. This is the love God has for us. We're not alone. And God wants to use every single one of us every day. Maybe it's just a kind word, but that is who God is. That is our challenge. And he's given us the weaponry to do it, the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That is right. And, you know, it's a remarkable thing. At the crucifixion, the curtain was torn, a way was made, and he sends the Holy Spirit, and we live in unity with him. He resides within us. It's a beautiful thing. If you want to find out more about Anchors Away, I encourage you to go to anchorsaway.org for worldview and leadership training. Find out about the boot camps. Get yourself a set of unanswered smoke mirrors and God, an incredible group study. Uh, Take that maybe to your life group, introduce it to your pastor at church, and you can find all of the questions of the week that are archived there at anchorsaway.org. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.